we have a special guest with us this morning. <laughs> I'm going to give you guys a second, and then if you guys can stand up, and if we can just honor Pastor Andrew and give him a big, huge hand as he comes. He's got a great message to deliver, so here he is. Awesome. Well, thank you, Pastor Mike. Uh, thank you, Rock Church. Six years ago, I joined the, the team here at The Rock working with the middle school. And over those last six years, my role has grown and expanded. Um, but through the whole time, um, the staff and the leadership here at The Rock has invested in me and poured into me. And so I'm gr so grateful um, for that and for the opportunity to share with you all this morning. So thank you for that. If you're new, if this is your first time, I hope that you are welcomed and that you're enjoying yourself this morning. Thanks for being here. Also, if you're uh, watching us online, if you're streaming live, thanks for, for tuning in. Um, this morning, I've got an exciting message that I want to share. The Lord really put on my heart, and I've titled it Pregnant with Promise. This morning, I want to look at a few passages in Scripture and see how our willingness to partner with the promises of God can change our, our lives. Uh, and so if you've got your Bibles, uh, we're going to jump straight in to Luke chapter 1. Uh, if you've got it on your phone or paper, great. Luke's in the New Testament, the second half of the Bible. If, you're, uh, if you didn't bring it, that's fine. We're going to have it on the screens as well. Luke chapter 1, verse 13, says this, But the angel said, Don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son, and you are to name him John. An angel of the Lord appears to an older gentleman while he's working uh, in, the, in the temple and, and appears to him and says this, gives him this promise of a child. If you skip down about 17 verses in Luke chapter 1, verse 30, we see a similar situation. It says, don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. So in both of these, we see the promise of a child. Back in the spring of about 2015, uh, Luna and I were getting ready to go and take a trip to New Orleans for a quick weekend vacation, and we were so excited. Every time we get to get away, uh, we have a good time planning and dreaming what the next season and semester might look like for our lives. And so we were so excited to do that. The, the last month had been crazy busy, and it was nice just going to be to have a, a short weekend away where we could kind of rest and recharge and get focused on some vision. Um, but kind of from the morning, things didn't start off on a great foot. We drove out to DIA, got through security well enough, but got in the air, hit some turbulence, flight was a little delayed, couldn't fly direct to to New Orleans, and so from Denver, we had to stop through San Antonio and change planes, and kind of as soon as we got off that first flight and walked to the gate of the second flight, we could tell, like, oh, uh, something is wrong. Like, you can just kind of see it on everyone's face, like, no one is happy, and you're like, I mean, I know we're traveling, but still, like, and they were just sad. And so before I could even get to the gate attendant, I could see on the, t on the TVs behind her that the flight had been canceled. And so now I'm, like, stuck in San Antonio, but all our reservations for everything is in New Orleans, and we're like, oh, what do we do now? And so us and a hundred other people are trying to still scramble and make it on other full flights to a city in another state, and we're kind of just frantic. And so after waiting and kind of this, like, 
shell game of, oh, I think we can get you on this flight. No, that one's too full. Okay, maybe like you can take this one. No, that one's also having problems. Like it, we spent 12 hours in the San Antonio airport and still are no further to our destination. And so finally we thought, well, you know what? We're in Texas. What better place to be? And we've got family in Dallas. So let's just, you know, we'll cancel everything in New Orleans. We'll just fly up to Dallas. Instead of spending the weekend in an airport, at least we'll be with family. So we wait in line again to talk to another gate agent to get everything kind of squared away. Hey, cancel our flights to New Orleans, try and find our bags, get them to Dallas and us as well, and we'll just call it good enough. And so everything gets kind of, kind of squared away. They give us some passes. We find a new gate and sit down there, and then it says, like, you're boarding soon. And so we're waiting, we're waiting. And then just before they start boarding, we do that last-minute check. Okay, we have everything. We've moved all over the airport today. Like, let's make sure phone, keys, wallet, carry-ons. Okay, all right, and now bathroom check. Like, this is before you get on that airplane, you do not want to have to use their facilities. It's small, and if you hit turbulence, the last thing you want is to be blue from, like, the waist down before you arrive at your destination. So we're doing a last-minute bathroom check, and, uh, and so I wait with the luggage, and, and Luna goes. And, and what made this trip very exciting is not only were we going to just plan and dream about what the next season would be, but we had also been praying shortly before this of possibly if this was the good time to begin to grow our family. And we had felt, even though like on paper not everything made sense, we hadn't been married a long time, we weren't very old, we felt like God had given us a piece about growing our family. And so we were excited to, to take those steps and begin to do that. And so what I didn't realize was Luna had brought something special with her. And so she was thinking that we would get to utilize this on our vacation, but 12 hours in the airport and plans changing. And so now she's in the bathroom and I see her coming back and she looks like different, like excited, but also a little crazy. And I'm like, what is, what is going on? But I'm a little slow. Like I can kind of read a room, but I can't always like act fast enough on it. And so she like comes and she sits down next to me and she's just like so excited. And I'm like, okay, what's going on? And so she opens up her purse and there inside of it is a pregnancy test. And I'm like, well, that's weird. Why do you have one of those? And then I also thought, I also thought, what are those markings on it? And she looks at me with like eyes as big as saucers and she says, we're going to have a baby. And in that moment, like everything changed. Like I can hear the gate attendant. She's like, flight 327 for Dallas, like now boarding. And I'm thinking, what? <laughs> I'm going to be a dad? So excited. In that moment, everything changed. And yet like also, nothing changed. Like, I left her with the luggage, and I went into the bathroom, but now I'm looking at every man in there, and I'm just thinking, like, we're about to join the brotherhood of fatherhood. Like, <laughs> I get it. Like, I'm about to get it. Like, we're going to be, and so, but none of them knew me, and so it was weird. Like, I'm just making, like, eye contact with all of them, very happy, so excited. I'm going to be a dad, and I'm looking them all in the eyes, and, and it's uncomfortable. It's a bathroom, and so they're like, stop looking at me. Finished up my business, went back to the gate, and I know what you're thinking, did he wash his hands? Yes, I did, I'm not a monster. <laughs> Got back to the gate, boarded, and we had the rest of the trip. Like, we spent a weekend in Dallas, it was great, we got to see family, and in that moment, it was strange. It was this duality of everything changes and nothing changes. Like, it was still, like, I have the same clothes that I packed, you know, the trip was what it was, we slept through the night. We didn't have to change diapers. Like, nothing changed, and yet everything changed.
And so this morning, I want to I look at some examples in the Bible of how, like, we're faced with a choice when we're given a promise of God to either embrace that, to say, oh my gosh, everything changes, and start baby planning, and like, what's the nursery going to look like, and let's dress her up in cute outfits, and, you know, and start dreaming and partnering with that, or to say, no, that thing's broken, that's not going to happen, that couldn't happen to us, and just sort of like dismiss it. And so I want to look at a few different stories. We read already in Luke 1, two different people, Zechariah and Mary, both presented with a similar promise, hey, you're going to have a son. And here's how they respond later in the chapter. Luke chapter 1, verse 18. Zechariah said to the angel, how can I be sure this will happen? I am an old man and my wife is also well along in years. Another translation says that he said to the angel, do you expect me to believe this? That's certainly one way we could respond when God presents us with a, with a promise. Uh, this probably couldn't happen to us. We're too old, or we're not rich enough, or I don't come from the right family, or I'm not in the right place, or like I'm not known enough. When a promise comes to us, we could certainly respond that way. We could say, do you expect me to believe that? Or we could respond another way. Mary responds this way in Luke chapter 1, verse 38. She says, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. In a moment of promise, we get to choose how we respond. We can either say, that can't be, or we can say, wow, this changes everything. In Numbers chapter 13 and 14, we see where for years, God has promised to the children of Israel, hey, I'm going to give you a land that is flowing with milk and honey. It's going to be awesome. We call it the promised land because it was promised to them. So they are faced with a very large promise that they're going to inherit the land. And on the edge of it, they decide to send in 12 scouts to do a recon mission, check out how things are. Are the cities fortified? Is the land good for growing crops? Like, is it a great place? And all 12 of them come back and they say, you know what? It's super awesome. The grapes and the vegetables they grow there are huge, but they're not the only thing that's huge. There are giants in the land. The cities are fortified. It's terrifying. We are like grasshoppers to them. Like, they've got to be pretty big if you're thinking, like, we're just like grasshoppers. They come back, and 10 of them give this negative report. The other two of the 12 are like, no, 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 it's pretty good. This is the land God promised. I know he'll bring it through us. And this is how the Bible records it. Numbers chapter 14, verse 3. The 10 say this. Uh, they give the people uh, the bad report, and, and all of the Israelites respond, why is the Lord taking us to this country only to have us die in battle? Our wives and our little ones will be carried off as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt? Faced with a promise, and on the, on the edge of stepping into it, they look at it and they say, it'd be better if we were slaves. Like, God, I know you've got this cool promise for us, but that could never happen. You're not really going to deliver it to us. You're not really going to give us the favor to come in there. You're not really going to help us in battle. We don't trust you. It would be better if we were slaves. But the two said this. They said to all the people of Israel, the land we traveled through and explored is a wonderful land. And if the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us safely into that land and give it to us. He will bring us safely into that land and give it to us. They embraced the promise. Now, the rest of Israel couldn't be swayed. They had already made up their mind. It wasn't going to happen. They rejected the promise of God and said, no, it can't be. We don't believe it. We're not going to, to partner with this thing. And so the Lord said, okay, this is a promise. I'm still going to make it happen, but it won't happen in your lifetime. And so for the next 40 years, the Israelites just wander in the desert, in the wilderness, because that whole generation had rejected the promise of God. They said, no, it couldn't be, 
He's not going to fulfill it. It's not going to happen. And so until all those people had kind of passed away and the children had grown up to become adults, and then God said, okay, let's try this again. This is still the promise that I have on this nation of people, on this group of people. This is still the promise, and it's true. But until someone is willing to partner with it and step into it, I, I can't make it happen for you. And so that next generation, they come in, and city by city, they begin to take it over. And, and those two that had said, it's good, we can do it, they lead the charge. And it's this beautiful story of how they partnered with the promise of God, and they stepped in, and they received a beautiful inheritance. Jumping back to that Luke 1 passage, Zechariah nearly rejects the promise of God. He says, how can this be? I'm really old, and my wife's not a lot younger. And the angel, the angel it says, the angel of the Lord silenced him. Like, he went mute from that moment. And it went on. And a lot of times we look at that and we think, like, oh, it's a judgment. Like, Zechariah, if an angel showed up to me, I'd believe it. Big glowing being and said, Andrew, you're going to have a son. I'd be like, yes. Like, that's more proof than, like, a, a pregnancy test. I'd believe that. But Zechariah is like, oh, how can this be? And he's, he's plagued with uncertainty. He's plagued with, like, I, these questions. And I think what sometimes we interpret as a judgment might have been a mercy. I think maybe the angel of the Lord stepped in and said, oh, hold up, I'm going to stop you there. I'm not going to let you, I'm not going to let your uncertainty and your questions become doubt, which might become fear, which could give way to disbelief. Instead, I'm going to stop you there until, when you fast forward nine months, John has been born. Everyone's so excited. Family's coming in from out of town. They're bringing casseroles. It's great. And the relatives ask the mom, they say, so what's the baby's name? And she says, the baby's name is John. And they all say, what? And you can hear, like, the record, like, skipping in the background. And they'll say, what? No one in the family is named John. Why would you name him John? He needs to be named after his dad, Zechariah. And so they go over to his dad, and they're like, shouldn't the boy have your name? Shouldn't he carry your name? And Zechariah still cannot speak nine months of being quiet. And some of the women are like, please, Lord. <laughs> nine months of being quiet. And, uh, and he calls for a writing tablet. He says, no, no, no. And he writes, and he turns it around on his Etch-a-Sketch or whatever, and he says, John. And everyone is, like, stunned. Like, why is this family picking the name John? And then instantly, when he partnered with the promise, he's able to speak again. So I don't think it was so much a judgment of, like, oh, Zechariah, you didn't have enough faith. Like, oh. I think it was more a protection. It was more a mercy of, like, hey, like, this is going to happen. I need you to be a part of it. And so the moment he came into an agreement saying, yes, his name will be John, he is going to be the forerunner for Jesus, and begin to like partner with all those promises that the angel had given him, then the Lord said, okay, like, let's do this. Release his tongue. Zechariah nearly rejected the promise of God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, it says, For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Marcus led us in this great song, all your promises are yes and amen. And that is so true. Like that is the heart of this message. All of God's promises are yes. And we get to partner with those promises and say amen. We get to write on the tablet and say his name will be John. We get to, like Mary, say, say yes, may everything that has happened like, may it be done. That is what amen means. It means so be it. Like, it shall be done. It is partnering with those promises that have already been fulfilled through Christ. And so we get, the, we get the opportunity. We get the choice to choose how we respond, and then we get the opportunity to partner with those promises. 
In Hebrews 10, 23, it says, Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope that we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Earlier, um, we were in the back room and we were praying, and I want to invite you, if you guys can make the time, come early with us, there are some special things happening in that prayer room, and that's not just for, like, the elite Christians, like, everyone is welcome to come and join us before service, and and so as we were back there, we're praying, and and I'm kind of reading through some of my notes and practicing some of the things that I think, like, God wants me to say, and as I got to this verse, the Lord just, like, stopped me, and I was like, what is it on this, And, and the Lord said, there are some people who have, have lost their hope. If we can throw the verse back up, it says, hold tightly without wavering to the hope that we affirm. He said, there are some people this morning that have lost their hope. They're still believing for a promise, but it's been so long, it's been so many years, and they haven't seen that son or daughter come around, they haven't seen that spouse change, they haven't seen that thing fulfilled or delivered yet, and they have lost their hope. And the Lord just hit me with like a broken heartedness, and I started to cry, and I'm not a crier. Nicole and Zach were across the room from me, and Nicole nudged Zach, and she's like, Andrew is crying. <laughs> and it was like, and it was strange. And so, and so I was like, oh, like, what is this? And so I was like, okay, God, like, you're doing something in this. And then without talking with Mike or Ray, the Lord confirmed it in them. She came up, and she said, like, there's this hopelessness, and the Lord wants us to laugh at those things. And so I, I'm so excited to get to confirm that. Like, if you are, are feeling that hopelessness where the Lord has promised something to you, but you haven't seen it yet. And you're wrestling with despair, and you're wrestling with, Lord, I don't know if this is still going to happen in my lifetime. I don't know if I'm still going to get to see this thing that you promised. I want to encourage you to stand and hold tightly to that thing. Hold tightly to it. Begin to laugh at the lies that have come against you, and hold tightly to that hope. Hebrews 10. So even when it doesn't make sense, we partner with the promise through our spoken words. Two weeks ago, Pastor Mike talked about abundant life. And, and the fact, the world's facts say that if you want to have an abundant life, you got to hold on to everything. you got to cling tightly to your time and to your life. You can't give any of it away. But the truth of God says that, no, 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 you got to give away your life to receive it abundantly. Last week, we talked about faith and, sorry, we talked about trust and love. And the world system says, well, if you establish enough trust, then you can love more fully. But the truth of God's word says, no, 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 if you give all of your trust to God, then you can love completely. And so in a similar way, this morning we are building on this idea of of this upside-down kingdom living where we're saying, sometimes the truth of God doesn't match my facts, and it's not that I build a new theology that that matches my facts. Instead, I say, okay, facts, you've got to begin to line up with the word of God. And so maybe, maybe the fact of your situation is you're sick, but the truth is God is your healer. Maybe the fact is money is a little too tight, but the truth is God is your provider. Or maybe the fact is that there are giants in the land that the Lord has promised you, but you're saying, no, 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 the Lord delights in us and and he is going to deliver it. Or maybe the fact is you're a little bit up there in age. You've been crowned with white hair of glory and and the Lord is promising you a son and you're saying, no, his name will be John. Whatever it is, like living with this, Living from a place where you are partnered with the promise of God sometimes looks a little ridiculous. Sometimes looks a little crazy because the truth of God doesn't always line up with the facts that we're seeing with our situations. But in those moments, instead of, instead of disengaging and say, well, I guess it wasn't for me, we got to double up and say, no, 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 this is going to be for me. And we press in and we partner with it. Now, if you're believing and hoping for the angelic visitation like Zechariah or Mary, awesome, power to you. 
I have yet to get that. It'd be nice. But what God has given me is even better. He's given me his word through the Bible. And unfortunately, there are moments where familiarity begins to breed contempt. And so we hear some of these promising scriptures and we think, I've heard that before. Like they become almost trite or overused or cliche. But I want to remind us all, myself included, that the same word of God, that Genesis 1 created the heavens and the earth, that he just spoke and light happened, like all of that, like that's the same power that's in this written word of God as the spoken word of God. And so when we open this up, I want this, I want to find the scriptures that hit me like a, like a pregnancy test, that hit me where I'm just like, oh my gosh, everything in my life has to change now because of this promise. Like, not where it's like, well, in nine months, we'll see if it really happens. But no, no, no. Like, in that moment, instantly, I'm like, okay, well, we need to, we need to, the office becomes a, a nursery. And, like, we've got to send out announcements. And we need to plan a, a gender reveal party. And all of these, like, crazy things that new parents do. I want the word of God to hit me so hard. And I want to create a hunger in my heart for it. That in those moments, I can say, well, this is the promise of God. I can find a new promise of God and I can say, Everything in my life has to change because this is the new truth. Like whatever these facts were, this is the new truth. And, and my life has to come into alignment with that. For Luna and I personally, we want to live generously. And we feel like that is a calling on our life. We want to, to give more. And so when I am looking through promises of God, I'm, I'm highlighting and I'm underlining the promises that have to do with generosity. And I've, I've found one in 2 Corinthians that I love. In 2 Corinthians 9, 8, it says, And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. And so there are moments when I'm moved with generosity. I'm in a service and I hear about a missionary or like somewhere and I, a friend of mine is like, oh yeah, like money's really tight. And I'm, God moves it in my heart to be generous. And I pull out my phone and I check my bank account. My bank account says, you probably shouldn't be generous. You've got some upcoming bills. I want to I want to look at my phone and say you're a dirty liar. <laughs> I want to say this is the truth of God. Like I have more than enough and plenty left over and I'm and I'm working on it and it is a wrestle. It is a tension. In the same way that I'm sure for Mary being young and unmarried to be able to, to be told like hey you're going to be pregnant and you're going to get ostracized and it might ruin your engagement and People are going to talk. There's going to be some nasty rumors. And she has to say, okay, like, these are the facts, but God, I want your truth. For Zechariah, like, hey, you're really old, but you're going to have a son. And for him to say, well, all right, his name's going to be John. For the Israelites to be like, okay, we've got this group of us. We've been slaves for a long time, but we're going to come in and become warriors and conquerors against giants. Okay, God, we can do it. And so for now, for me, like, I'm building my faith. And I'm saying, all right, bank statement. I can do this. We can do this. The Lord has promised to me, and I'm beginning to stand. And so I've, I've begun highlighting and journaling. I've got this journal that I keep in my backpack. I've been journaling the, the scriptures that have to do with the promise that I'm contending for. So maybe your promise looks different. Like maybe the call on, on your life is to, is to start a ministry. Maybe the call on your life is just to be an incredible parent. Maybe the call on your life is to teach or to work or whatever it is. Like maybe there are verses that you can begin contending for. For the ones that I'm contending for, I've journaled them and I've written them down. And, I've, and I carry them with me so that when my bank account doesn't line up with the word of God, I can look to more of the word of God and I can say, all right, but I've got this promise and I've got this promise and I'm standing on this truth and I'm believing that, God, you're going to find a way to make this happen. 
It's, it's not my job to make this happen, but God, I'm, I'm trusting that you're going to do it. And the last thing I want to leave you guys with this morning is the purpose of a promise. We saw how we can, we can partner with promise, but I want you to understand the, real, the purpose of it. It's twofold. One, it's that we would receive a, a greater understanding of, of who God is, that through his acts we would know him better, but it's, it's also, secondly, that we would play our part in the body of Christ, that we'd be able to help each other in the wonderful things that God is doing. In Exodus 33, 13, Moses and God are talking, and Moses says, let me know your ways so I may understand you more fully. Let me see your miracles so that I can get an understanding of what your heart is. And so I believe that the purpose of promise is the same, that as we see God fulfill these promises, we understand. As we see God move in healing, we see, oh, he's a father who wants to see restoration and wholeness. And as we see his provision, we say, oh, he's a God who always takes care of every need. And so in every promise that he keeps and every promise that he makes, we are seeing the, the, the fulfillment of his heart. We're seeing his true nature. And then also with that, as we are experiencing health, as we're praying for health, as we're experiencing provision, as we're praying for provision, as we're providing provision, we are, we are doing these good works that are encouraging the body of Christ as we play our part in it. And so this morning, I, I want to pray for you all. I want to I pray, one, that, that you develop this hunger in your heart, that you begin to, to reaffirm the weight of the Word of God. That as you look at it, it wouldn't just be trite or ordinary or, yeah, I've heard that before, but instead, like, as you read it, it would come alive and you would allow it to change things. That you wouldn't, like the, that first generation of, of Israel when they were pre- presented with the promised land, that you wouldn't see it and say, well, that couldn't happen in my life. I, I want to I pray for where you have, have moments of doubt or disbelief. I want to pray that the Lord would restore your faith. And for those of you who have been contending for a long time, I want to pray for hope. I want to pray where you have lost your hope, where you've said, I've been, Andrew, I've been praying for years and I still haven't seen it. I want to say, keep pressing on. Like, keep holding on to that hope that the Lord has given you, to that promise that is there in Scripture. So would you, would you allow me to do that for you this morning? Would you please bow your heads with me? Close your eyes for a, a moment of, of introspection and privacy that you would be able to connect with God as I speak these words over you. Father, we love your word. And Father, I ask that you would forgive us where we have made it ordinary or we have treated it as as less than the powerful word of the creator of the universe. Lord, I pray that it would begin to stir a fire in our bones, that we would begin to have a hunger, that we would treat it with the weightiness that it deserves. Father, I pray that this morning, even now, you would begin to touch hearts and you would restore hope and you would restore faith Father, where we have had moments of disbelief, moments of discouragement, Father, I pray that you would come as a good father, not with judgment, but with mercy, to say, hey, let me help you believe again. Let me help you have faith again to trust the promises that I have given in your life. And for those of us who feel like we haven't received a promise, Father, I pray that you would illuminate your word to us, that we would find the hundreds of scriptures, and we would begin to claim them as our own. In Jesus' name, amen.